Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits. Let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Hello, welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Show. You are here with musician and hypnotherapist Lise Pusta. Am I saying that correctly? You are saying it correctly. <laughs> like I'm supposed to be doing something. <laughs> and you are, in fact, doing a lot. You're educating people about music. I heard it. You present something just moments ago that was just outstanding. And can you give us an introduction to that so we can leap into things such as vibrational medicine or the understanding Mm -hmm. of vibration within the universe and how we can access it? Yep. Uh, Indeed. Um, You know, everything is vibration, down to the smallest items that scientists can measure up to the greatest, largest things that we can conceive of, such as galaxies. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Microcosm and macrocosm, they mirror reflect in the same rules of what you might call entrainment or uh, Pythagoras. You have the music of the spheres. Uh, There are these ideas that um, vibrations move into synchrony and harmony, you know, in an ideal state anyway. And in life, sometimes we get kind of thrown a rough hand or whatever, and we kind of get you know, tense and we have trauma and we have issues that we have to work through and sometimes we're in a disharmonious place and that's where I think music like this uh, that we're talking about can really help people to move back into that resonance with harmony. Mm-hmm. And it's something that people can experience right away and then there are longer term benefits when they start really working with it. Um, so yeah, I mean it certainly has a, a place in life and we're humans and automatically are attracted to sound and music. It's innate. We can't help mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've gone along, we've gotten much, much more creative and artistic about mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's always been there in the background as a therapeutic tool. Mm-hmm. Even popular music, you know, somebody mm-hmm. wants to change their mood, they put on the radio mm-hmm. or their favorite album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's always there. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned in your presentation that it is always there. This is a theme for you. Yes. Music's always there, not to make, although we make music, not to create. We're always creating and writing music, even our little lyrical hums to ourselves, but actually to discover that it's been there in states of harmony. That was a you were driving that point home so strong. Mm-hmm. Music has always been there. Harmonics has always been there. We're just yes. uh, discovering and right. re- repeating it. It's, it's the very fabric of the universe that the way vibration has been set up, uh, that harmony, you know, people can automatically tell when something is not in harmony. When something sounds off, it's visceral. I mean, we notice that and it doesn't feel right and we can't wait till the music or whatever it is listening comes back sure. into resonance or harmony. And the thing about the harmony is 
that's where in the presentation I talked about mm -hmm. um, with the laws of entrainment, it's it's part of the laws of physics that oscillating systems, uh, when there are several different things, let's say they're molecules or they could be life forms, or in his case, pendulum clocks. So I was talking about Christian Huygens, the man that discovered entrainment. Uh, it takes little to no energy to maintain a system where everything is moving in synchrony or in harmony. Hmm. Whereas if something is tension in it, it's taking away energy. It has to fight to keep it that rhythm because the other one is doing this other rhythm. And so by means of resonance, they come into harmony. And the whole universe is working this way. Hmm. And so, of course, humans aren't like exempt from the laws of physics, you know. You mentioned that the that sound is a cylinder, cylindric. It's a oh, spheres. Spheres. Wow. Bubbles of sound. They starts at a point and then resonates in 360 or yeah. way beyond 360 because you're talking sure. about a sphere. You're talking about it's moving outward in every direction mm -hmm. all at once. And so, if we were to visualize, let's say, the surface of a pond and we throw that pebble in there, mm -hmm. and we see how it creates those ripples moving outwards in a circle, mm -hmm. getting wider and wider. Now, see the same thing, but make it an entire sphere, a bubble. That's what the sound is really. If we could see it, that's what it looks like. So what I was wondering when I was listening to this was, you know, we, we're living in a universe of uh, magnetics, uh, energy, electro electronics, polarization, and, mic you know, magnetic electronics, and then we live in a, and I could go on and on, all these little different aspects that govern gravity, so for example. I was listening to what you were saying as sound being so fundamental to the existence and now with quantum physics being so predominant on our everyday thinking. You know, to what degree is this spherical movement of sound impactful on all of these laws of physics? And what have we studied? What do we know about this? Well, uh, Stuart Reed, with his cymoscope, uh, has been able to notice the different frequencies and pitches have their own geometrical pattern or design to them or harmonic uh, imaging. And he calls them cymoglyphs. And so he's you know, he's taken what he, that discovery, which uh, has been going on for quite a while, but he's kind of the latest movement of it. And He's applied it to dolphins. So when dolphins are using their sonar, yes. he's seeing the same thing that they're it's a, it's this image, this this uh, vibrational form that that it, and the point with this is that it's stepping into a totally different domain where by being able to see the form of sound, hmm. they're starting to uncover dolphins' language in a way they weren't able to do it before because now they can map it out in a visual glyphs a picture. Like, so it's very interesting. And it's kind of an aside. Not really, because it sounds like a universal language. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, among all species, like you mentioned, right. ETs included. Yeah. Is, exactly. it a, is it a universal language? They're going to the same thing. It's, you know, that physics aren't going to change on another planet. You know, it's, it's the way the universe works. And so hmm. when they pluck a string, or the equivalent on their planet, let's just say, they're going to notice the same harmonic. They're going to notice the same uh, relationship of one tone 
to another. It, it's either perfectly in harmony or it's not, or it's you know levels in between where it sounds good or it doesn't. And they're going to play with that because why wouldn't they, you know? Um, so that's why I say it's innate. It's in, it's in our DNA to understand this. Uh, and so for us to be moved by it also and for us to respond to it, mm. not just as art, an artistic appreciation, you know, but on a cellular level, you know, it vibrates in our bodies and something happens. And we don't even need to engage the conscious mind mm. for that to happen. Can you illustrate with this beautiful sitar? Sure. Let me um, make sure it's in tune. Okay, so while you're playing around with that, um, please tune and mm-hmm. vibrate the room, the already echoing room. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> it's a very resonant room. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Nice. Survived our cold walk up here. (laughs) Yeah, it usually goes out pretty quick. Um, That's close enough to do. I think. I see it. I've never looked at one that close. Yeah. So when I play a note that happens to be the same note as one of those, it will automatically vibrate through right. sympathetic resonance, right. which Christian Hugens discovered back in the late 1600s as part of how training works. And you also hear how those notes sound at rest together. They could go on during harmony, they make us feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. The moment I go to a place a little out of harmony, there's a desire for, there's a tension there, and a desire for it to go back into resonance. And when we play something and we get to the level where all the little notes and everything are happening, those all those things are still taking place where we're even on an unconscious level we're perceiving the sound in a way that it's resonating with us either harmonically or in a disharmonic way. And it's kind of what music is, it plays with the tension and what they call resolution in sound. But with all these a prominent focus on the harmony. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, they use the disharmony just the to have that little bit of flavor right there. Mm-hmm. So when I go from here to It's like I'm almost ready when you're in that that tension moment. I'm ready for it to like I'm in anticipation of yeah. the next. That's As opposed right. to when you're settling I'm kind of in a resting spot. Bach and the musical masters. You know, I was saying that Bach and then later, you know, the other masters, but especially Bach, he really lived in 
groundsman for a lot of musical theory in Western music. He became really proficient of knowing when to use certain scale modes or mm. when to put emphasis on a given note to really create that anticipation mm. to drive the music up and up. Oh, mm. Something needs to happen. Something's gonna happen, and then finally, they, mm. they, you know, resolve it. Mm. Psychologist, I think this is a beautiful metaphor. People who there's some people who seem to live their life in a constant state of disharmony, and actually almost prefer that that strain of energy because they keep recreating it. Uh, I don't know if it creates energy. I mean, we could go on and on about the metaphor, but I do ponder the idea that um, that dissonance that you're creating so beautifully with this actually has great appeal. It's appealing. When it's used the right way. Yeah, and then when it moves to resolution, there's like a, but there's also, you know, it's like there's a relief, but there's also a, oh, I want, you know, it's kind of boring. Yeah, after a while, you don't want to hear that staying there too long. That's Their voice, their arms, 
their uh, resonance of their, their being, the vibration, which we have a frequency for our body. The earth has its own mm-hmm. megahertz as well. So how do we actually convert this scientific knowledge that we are creating frequency that creates this geometric shift or design mm-hmm. to actually affect our brain, the way our brain functions? And I know that through brain entrainment, there's a lot of research on this currently. I'd say, yeah, that's part of it, the brainwave entrainment, because, um, yeah, once people have the ability to record brainwaves with the EEG, then they started to map the brain and realized uh, that when we're in a busy thinking mind, we're in the beta, and then we get a little slower, we're into more of a calm focus or a meditative state even, and then deeper states or more creative states, and also sleep, uh, theta is like a dream, dreaming state. And delta is dreamless, dreamless uh, sleep or body is uh, restoring itself. But we can create music that has rhythms and beats in it that match those brainwave cycles. And our brain will do what's called the frequency falling response automatically. It's pretty much the same thing as entrainment. It's just they've called it something different because they're looking at it from mm-hmm. a similar angle. Exactly. And we can use it to coax the brainwaves into that rhythm and then with the right intention as well, the resultant state that we want to experience unfolds. Uh, so it, it promotes it. It won't force it. It's not like you take a hallucinogenic drug and, and you cannot help but have certain shifts take place. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you know intend your way out of that one too easy. But still, uh, when you train the brain and you have the right, the right intention, you're going to get into the state that you want to get into. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really just kind of part of it, you know, because as you were saying about, you know, we're surrounded by energy and frequency and vibration all the time. So even right now, the spheres of energy that are moving away from my mouth as I'm speaking, yes. interacting with the wall and bouncing around, you know, it's like it, and then it makes with the, the vibrations of your voice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just magnify that out a level like in downtown and the traffic and everything else. So there's all these vibrations going on. And our, our innate unconscious drive is to match and find resonance and find homeostasis where we can. Mm-hmm. You know, even if that's matching with an environment that isn't necessarily the healthiest, we're still going to try innately to find our place in there that fits and feels calm or it feels mm-hmm. like we're resonating and, and belonging there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, knowing that, we yeah, given what, what the issue might be, um, it's not just brainwave rhythms. You can use like the didgeridoo that I was playing that mm-hmm. earlier. Actually, the plastic, the plastic tube. tube. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried that. It doesn't right. sound the same when I do it. <laughs> well, it, it does take a little practice. <laughs> nonetheless, the constancy. There's no beat rhythm in that. That's brainwave. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, there are oscillations and vibrations and cycles within that sound itself that nonetheless still work on some similar principle of the brainwave entrainment. But it's the cells of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of a, uh, an interesting thing that when you look at a lot of the products out there, they're highlighting this binaural beat brainwave entrainment mm-hmm. stuff so much. Mm-hmm. I feel. I'll be honest, I don't even put binaural beats in my music. 
because I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that's the special magic that music needs. That's not what it is. That's not the secret. The secret is the vibration itself. It's these elongated tones like the ohm or the didgeridoo, and as they get expressed over longer stretches of time, we entrain to them. Now, those tones have the natural harmonics within them. So the harmony of the universe is already expressed within that tone, and we're surrounded by it because it's a bubble of energy that's engulfing us, and we match it, and our energy starts flowing in more harmonious ways, and we start to shift and expand our mind. We relax, and if we're having an issue, it has a way of bubbling up to the surface, and we see it in a different way. We have a different type of insight. It's an intelligence that the sound energy has in and of itself to steer us in the right direction. And that's all without brainwave entrainment. That's just one technique out of several things. I think the real core key is what they had discovered at the beginning of written history or before, which is chanting on or that didgeridoo sound. It's all the same thing, that sound of the universe, the expression of the harmony of the universe. Surround yourself with it long enough, you're going to match it well enough to have an experience that's beneficial. I think it really boils down to that. Everything else is flawed. Well, do you think that this has a lot to do with physical healing? Because vibrational medicine has put vibration, obviously ultrasounds are all about the vibrations that are translated into digital or visual. Well, in cancer, cardiovascular system, the whole cardiovascular system is a rhythm that the whole body responds to on a regular basis. We know that from infants now, they're so tuned in to which woman is the mother's heartbeat. That's right. So, talk about that. Well, I, I think it comes back to um, looking at, at, at dis-ease, mm. at, at disharmony, mm. and whatever the source of that is, you know, you may or may not discover that some incident in early childhood might be the nugget that, that kind of stayed with that person and manifested later in life as some sort of a, a, a tumor or something unfortunate. Um, or it could be an emotion, that, which isn't contrary to what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's anger about something, you know, and it's just stayed because they're not expressing it and going through the process to conclude with the forgiveness and letting go. So it's staying, 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 and the mind doesn't know what to do with it because it's suppressed if it's not letting it go and processing it. So it's just sitting there. And so if it can do deal with it, it gets pushed into the body. And now it's sitting in the body. Now what we mm-hmm. may be able to do, I don't mm-hmm. think the sound by itself is going to be the mm-hmm. ultimate answer with that, but it's certainly a part of mm-hmm. the healing process by bringing... Um, not only awareness of somebody being in their body, because let's say you're, um, well, I'll mention that I have something that I built. I'm not an inventor of it, but I built it. Well, then you are an inventor, but go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, but a sound tape. Okay. You know, 
It's it's just a bed that you lay on and it has these subwoofers mounted on it. Nice. Uh, under it, right? And it's soft. And, yeah. But those low vibrational or vibroacoustic frequencies um, are massaging the body. And so you really get oh, nice. pulled into this from head to toe. You're just in mm. And, and uh, it feels like you're suspended on a bed of strings, you know. And when, when that's going on, the tension in your body is let go of so much uh, because the, the vibration of the muscles, that's their response to that. They just let go, you know. When the body lets go that deeply, the mind can expand so mm -hmm. much, but not necessarily mm -hmm. away from the body. Mm -hmm. But just uh, your your sphere of understanding and awareness of yourself expands. And there have been times, for instance, where I'm on the sound table, and there's an area that I can tell the energy isn't flowing in, you know, like there's a tension spot. And I can become that much more aware of it when I'm on the sound table, when all this sound is moving through. You know, it's like a, if it were water. Through through a series of channels or hoses, if there's a kink in the hose, you become aware of it because the water can't do you know get past there. Mm -hmm. So something like that takes place, mm -hmm. uh, and you become aware of it. And in that experience, state, sometimes you can look at things from a different perspective than this conscious thinking mind that just has these judgments about everything. And sometimes that. Shifting of awareness and understanding and connecting that it, the body's not separate from the issue or myself or consciousness. And, and then that, that can sponsor healing because of that awareness, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's this several ways where it can be an adjunctive or supportive mechanism for somebody's healing. I don't think it's so much the direct, mm -hmm. you know, thing that's going to be the cure all. Mm -hmm. But it certainly is it's a very supportive mm -hmm. mechanism, especially for hypnotherapy or other types of healing work. And if somebody um, is doing hands-on healing or anything like that, mm -hmm. I'd say yeah, incorporate the sound right in there because you're flooding this person with all this harmonious energy mm -hmm. that the body knows what to do with it. You know, the the, the awareness knows what to do with it, and. We're not static. We will move. We will shift. Okay, well, I could carry on this conversation for a very long time because you provoke yeah. so many different thoughts. But here, if I can put you on the spot, yes. I'm quite sure you discovered music long before you discovered all this information about right. it. <laughs> yeah. And that there were times in which it just took you into a space that was a whole lot safer than where you were without the music. Absolutely. No, I, I, Can you I choose a story? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know where, where it's going to go, but I'll just rant on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, as early as heaven, I remember the music, uh, the radio, you know, records. Uh, first, my brother was playing music, mm -hmm. and I heard it. I was like, oh, that's great. You know? um, but it was around the age of 12 that I really, something clicked, and it was like, I have to play music. I don't just like listening to it, which mm -hmm. certainly was a great escape. Hmm. But uh, I picked up the guitar hmm. and just, you know, tried to emulate Jimi Hendrix and yeah. everybody tries to yeah. pick up the guitar. Um, You're too young. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
and uh, you know, so through my teenage years, I was doing that. And I was also interested in spirituality and and consciousness, and um, you know, I did my own experimentation. I must have my past life could have been you know somebody living in the sixties because yeah, I was doing that stuff too. But <clears throat> as of about eighteen, nineteen years old, I think that's when I really made the connection that you can do something more with music than just enjoy it. There's something in there uh, that is a powerful force that we can use uh, like a tool. And so my first knowledge about that was like, okay, the music of India, well, they have the own chant and they have the sitar and these different um, forms of music, but they have the story attached to it. So you understand it has a spiritual tension behind it. Mm -hmm. you know? So I tried to learn you know, what I could about it, but it still wasn't the perfect fit, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm, I, was, I was experimenting, I found out about the Bible beats and brainwave and training stuff. I'm experimenting with that because it's interesting, but I still didn't lock on to what it was until finally I had one of my, sub, uh, my I'm sorry, one of my regular speakers that has a woofer in it. And I turned the bass all the way up and I had, had my finger on a certain low note. And when I felt the vibration pass through my body, yes. that was the moment. I was like, that's big. That's a big deal right there. And so mm -hmm. since all of my professional recordings for retrainment or hypnotic music include that low frequency vibroacoustic tone in it. And people, you know, they adjust the EQ how they want to, how much mm -hmm. of that they want to feel, but it's nonetheless it's a component that I think is part of a, a winning formula. It's part of that whole own didgeridoo experience. It's it's like a uh, yeah, it's just a part of it. You know, people aren't going oh way up in five voice. <laughs> They're right out here. Oh, you know, there's a vibrational component to it. So it's not just hearing; it's feeling it. And so that, to me, is a key aspect. I do have to wonder this, and you're the right person to ask this. So. The first time I heard a Chinese opera, yes. and the first time that I heard a Schoenberg, 12 tonal scale, I guess it would be called a composition. <laughs> yeah. I was blown out of the water with both of them, because it, for lots of reasons, it not, wasn't my ear and my training, right. my background. And that leads me to the next question, is that, is harmony is harmony a function of the culture that we're in and the way our brain is trained to hear it? So that yes, we have our we have our octaves, we have our sense of harmony, moving from tension dissonance to peacefulness. Mm -hmm. But are there other cultures and other types of music that vibrations that would be peaceful to us would actually grate on theirs the way that Chinese high pitched I pitched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to follow Chinese opera Blanco because it isn't their modern music. It affects affected me. I totally understand and hear what you're saying. Um, and yeah, there's different scales of different regions of the world. Um, however, a lot of the popular music, like you listen to our popular music, and we have so many different types. And mm -hmm. you know, like the, mm -hmm. you know, the heavy. Speed metal mm -hmm. and punk rock, and, mm -hmm. and, then you and the generational differences yeah. on that one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Hip hop and all these different things. Mm -hmm. it, it is cultural. It's 
by association. So mm -hmm. it becomes familiar that you learn whether or not that sounds good on on a certain artistic level. Okay. Um, but that's why we don't use, you know, punk rock in, in the healing capacity that we're talking about. Maybe we should. Maybe it would heal some people. I don't know. I've Somebody <laughs> with a predisposition of punk rock, I, I think it sounds great. Yeah. There are moments where I crave hearing. Oh, yeah. It's lively and invigorates. Yeah. It's, it's, um, but I'm not going to meditate with it. I'm, I'm not going to experience the Zen of the universe with that. Seriously. You know, and so music that has the elongated tones, right? Mm -hmm. Where the harmony is just kind of already there. It's not heavily melodic. It's not trying to be fancy, hmm. you know. And when I do things like that's still being fancy. Mm -hmm. you know, it is, yeah. The universe doesn't really do that. It does like you know, long stretches of notes where the vibration is just left to sustain yeah. itself, like it is right and, now in this room. Yeah, and if it just kept doing that, it doesn't need a cultural. To, to be understood. Hmm. Once we become fancy with it and try and make it more and more artistic, it's when we, become, we get to call it a secular music or hmm. music for entertainment purposes or to be wowed by or whatnot. Um, and in some cases, you can have a blending or overlapping of things, certainly. And um, many times it's a learned association by your cultural uh, situation, true. But, it, but on a very fundamental level, if we do this in audience, even if it's not this instrument, but just mm -hmm. that tone itself, giving the person has the intention of, yes, I want to relax and kind of go into a meditative place. I don't see them arguing with it based yeah, on their cultural background. It's, it's, I think it's below that or above that, whatever you want to say. Well, we know that the Earth has a megahertz. Do we hear it? Do we resonate it? Is that our own? Is our own Mother Earth making her frequency? Uh, we all have our own megahertz. Do we hear each other's frequencies? Do we? I think there is a level of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we're in resonance with somebody, uh, some people we don't get along with, and, and even from the moment we meet them, mm -hmm. and other people we click with pretty easily, I think it's all about that. The, um, the geometry of the frequency. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of. Wow. I mean, they say that our conscious mind is only eight to twelve percent. You know, if we use the model of mind, for instance, that leaves eighty-eight to ninety percent of. You know, there's information coming in and going out that we're not paying attention to, but it's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and and in regards to the planet, um, there's the Schumann resonance which happens to be in the Alpha range, which is kind of like one of the more ideal places for us to kind of resonate in. It's a calm, relaxed, but focused place, you know, right. where the meditators want to be. You know, the monks are hanging out in the Alpha. So they're in tune with the planet. I imagine life forms in general are, have been trained to that, you know, mm. in one way or another. So it's, yeah, the mind itself is doing this whole dance. Well, the implications are immense, enormous, yeah. and uh, I appreciate you 
yeah. helping us think outside the box of our own musical moment and to kind of contemplating how this is like possibly not only a fabric or a way of weaving, maybe just even the weaver's tools of creating this gestalt called everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to button up the whole topic. It's so open-ended. No, so we, we can't end the show, but <laughs> what do you want to end this show with? Um, maybe the music itself really speaks more than the words to try and describe it. You do really good with the words. I'd love to hear you describe yourself through the music. Carol Francis, have a musical day. <laughs>